appreciate that um, without me speaking to Caitlin, she, um, go to the book of Luke, she gave me the title for today's message. I'm not changing the message, but she, the title, um, doing, king, doing Kingdom Business. Doing Kingdom Business. Hallelujah. So um, she was like, yes, that's the title. That's the one I've been looking for. Doing Kingdom Business. Luke chapter 19. I want to share a parable with you. Um, I want to help you join me on the journey I've been a little bit because I recognize, I remember listening to Pastor George Pearsons and he was talking about how, hallelujah, if you can't hear that online, we are getting rain here, hallelujah, powerful rain, let it rain, you know, let it rain in the spirit. But um, Pastor George Pearsons was saying that often God will speak to the pastor so that he can then speak to the congregation. And I'm, a, and I'm becoming more and more aware of how to flow with that and not fight it. You know, it's like there's part of me that's like, oh, I don't want to just, Lord, see everything that I'm doing or you're teaching me. That's for the congregation. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get a sermon today like, hey, you should repent because when you went to the order, or you can eat buffet on Wednesday, you overate. So let me give you a few scriptures for that. And um, I don't think that's for the congregation. I think that's just the Lord, you know, maybe having a word to me. And so I want to be... Very aware. And I'm just going to preach loud. So can you hear me in the back row? All right. That's all right. I'm just going to preach through it. And um, I, I, I've preached through when we did a youth service once. This is many, many years ago, and I was actually in the youth, and I was sharing. We lost power in our building. So we gathered around a torchlight and finished on the ground doing scriptures by a torch. We didn't have phones back then to touch every. We had a torch, and I'm like, well, we might have lost power, but I can still preach. So we just sat around and just finished it. Um, so I am not um, easily persuaded to stop my preaching. I will keep going. And um, so if it gets loud and you can't hear, just move closer. All right? Just, just, yeah, if you're sitting there, that's fine. You'll get the anointing and the overflow. But, um, so I'm, I'm aware that often God works in me and I'm, I'm very careful not to see everything that God shows me in the Word of God. So, ah, oh, that's a sermon, that's a sermon. It's very dangerous to read the Bible just to find sermons. That's um, it's a, a trap pastors can get into or anyone who's teaching that you just read something to, oh, I'll, I'll turn that into a sermon. You know, that, it can't be. You might not have um, do that because you don't do things like, oh, that's an amazing sermon. So-and-so really needs to hear that. <laughs> You ever, ever done that? You ever been listening and you're like, oh, this is so good. If only so-and-so was listening, I better send them a link to it. I better tell them, send you should listen to this and you should listen to that. And the Lord said, whoa, 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 that's good. But just listen first because I'm too busy sending it out to others. And I don't want to do that with the Word of God. I don't want to be reading the Word of God and thinking, oh, this is good for the church. This is what we want to do. So I'm, I'm sort of a bit hesitant just to take what the Lord's shown me, but there's very much a, a, real, a very real sense, God says, I'm working it in you so then you can digest it and have it filter and then you bring it to the congregation. That's actually my plan. All right? So you need to pray for me that I'm getting, that I'm, and I'm getting the right scriptures God's speaking to me because what he speaks to me, you get the overflow. 
And so I have been wrestling and thinking and praying about this scripture for a number of weeks. It caught my attention, not just in my mind. It caught my spirit, you know, um, Luke chapter 19. So you, I'm going to say, it's not just for me. This is a scripture for our congregation. It's a scripture for breakthrough. It's a scripture for our time. Luke chapter 19, and Jesus shares a parable. We can start in verse 12. You might be familiar with this parable, or you think you're familiar with this parable, um, because, sorry, just move this side, I trip on it. You might be, think that you're familiar with this parable, but um, actually it's a, there's two parables shared, one by Matthew, one by Luke, very similar, and sometimes you think, oh yeah, I know that. And it's, how many remember the parable of the talents? All right, but how many remember the par parable of the meaners? So put up, put up your hand if you remember the parable of the talents, you know. Put up your hand if you remember the, put your hands down. Put up your hand if you remember the parable of the meaners. Less hands. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm not so sure. A hand, uh, I don't know whether to put my hand up. But, all right. Very similar, but two parables shared, one in the book of Luke, one in the book of Matthew. Some overlap. And that's the problem because most people listen to them and they just sort of, oh, it's just the one parable. But there's some slight differences. And it was the differences that caught my attention caused me to go back and look at them both. Um, but, you know, you're, you're familiar with the parable, the talent, which is not this one we're going to read in the book of um, Luke, where they were given talents. Now, it's really, it's just a, a real, um, just a, a confusing thing that the word talent is in Greek. Do you know what the word talent in the Greek is? It's talent. All right? If you don't know, if you want to learn some Greek today, you say, I know the Greek word for talent is Talent, not talent as in I can do an ability. Not like talent, like I can tap dance or I can sing or I can um, I can play instruments. Not that talent. The the parable it says that the parable of the talents. He gave five talents, two talents, and one talent. Well, that's just the Greek word five talents, two talents, or or one talent. And all they did was they just said, well, we don't know what we don't have an English word for that amount of money. So we'll just bring the Greek word. The same is in Luke chapter 19. If you can just read there. It says, he said, therefore, verse 12, a certain nobleman went into a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called 10 of his slaves. So the other one was three slaves. This one's 10. And he gave them 10 minas. M-I-N-A-S. Minas. 10 minas. Find out later. He didn't give them each 10. He gave 10 minas to the 10 slaves. So they each got one mina. Now, how much, why, why, what's this word mean? We don't even know what it is. It's a Greek word for an amount of money. It's, you know, it'd be like me saying I gave you $100 and then you going into um, an, an African nation and saying $100. They say, what's this dollar? They don't recognize that name. But you just use the word dollar because dollar's a dollar. And so mean is a meaner. And talent is a talent. Talent is a Greek amount of money. It's got nothing to do with the skill. So when he gave them five talents, two talents, and one talent, he's got, it's got nothing to do with ability. But we just sort of carried over. But it sort of has stuck that, you know, as God gave, I give you five talents, and I give you two talents, give one to. Who here is the five-talent person? You know, yeah, just don't be modest. Just turn to the person next to you and say, modesty is preventing me from putting my hand up. But that's one of my talents is my modesty. <laughs> so I've got four others. Um, but turn to the person next to you and say, but you're, you're really good with your one talent. <laughs> you do it really good. Whatever that one thing is you do, 
I'm sure you do it really good. Um, but there's a little bit of an overlap there because um, it's funny enough. Uh, how many would how many would um, even know how much a talent is then? Because otherwise, if it's not a tap dance, how much is a talent? And it's um, often comes down to. I really appreciate um, one of the things. Um, there's um, one particular um, measurement which is a, a, a day's wage, which I think is great because then you can just sort of bring it into today and do the calculations. So it's so, so many days wages and so many things like that. Well, a talent um, works out to be about 20 years wages. <laughs> so if you've got five of those 20 years, that's, 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 that a talent is a lot of money. It's 20 years wage. So even if you do it on you know, $100,000, you say, well, that's a lot. Well, let's say $50,000, that's little. You know, somewhere in there. You know, I don't know what the average wage in Australia is, but you can, I've got it calculated in my... Um, Bible, but it's like 10 years old already, do you know what I mean? And so it changes. But just say, what would take what you would earn in a year and multiply that by 20. That's one talent. Imagine getting that as a gift. So I always felt sorry for the person who only got one talent. That's a lot of money. So I just used the fact, I, used, I, I translated a million dollars because it's sort of like a, just one million, two million, five million. It's probably more than that, but it's sort of, I don't want to say, you know, it's $1.74 million. That's not the point. He gave them a lot of money. And what about the MENA? It's not as much. It's about a third of a year's wage. So, you know, what's that, $20,000, $30,000, depending on your wage. Yeah. But that's still a significant amount. It's not, not chicken feed. It really comes into play. Remember when the, Jesus told the parable about a servant who owed 10,000 talents. Remember when we said that? Remember he owed 10,000 talents? That's $10 billion. Imagine getting yourself... You might think your credit card's a problem. <laughs> you haven't been called in to say, your debt has risen to $14.7 billion. And I don't think you're going to be able to repay it. <laughs> and the servant says, give me time. You know, those phrase, give me time. He ain't got enough time. <laughs> Does it make sense? And that's the, that's the purpose. Jesus, said, Jesus is saying, he's saying, give me time. He said, you, you've got no time. doesn't matter how hard you work. You cannot earn that. You are way over your head. Now, that's talking about your sin. Okay? You are in way over your head. <laughs> you cannot earn yourself out of your sin problem. It is so far gone, you can't get there and say, give me a bit more time and I'll get better. <laughs> it's just not going to work. So he says, I forgive him of everything. I forgive him. How amazing is that? Totally $10 billion wiped off. And then he has someone who owes him, I think it's 100 denarii. Denarii is the, 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 the day's wage. So, you know, $20,000? About a, you know, a third of a year, roughly. $25,000. He's just been forgiven $10 billion, and a guy comes into him, owes him twenty-five grand, and he says, you better pay it, and I'll throw you into prison until I get it. $25,000 is not insignificant. If you had someone who owed you $25,000 and wasn't wanting to pay it back, would you feel a little bit... Uh, a bit of angst on that? 
would that be causing you some, mm, it's a bit of money. And when people sin and offend us and hurt us, it's not insignificant. It is significant. But you need to see its significance in light of your $10 billion of against God. <laughs> okay, you, it's, you don't want to downplay and say, what people do to me is insignificant. It is significant, but it's a pittance compared to what I've been forgiven. So that's what Jesus is saying. So the amounts are important to get that sort of clarification. Now we've got the birds flying over. <laughs> what a sermon. Causing the, look, the, we pulled the rain down, caused the birds to get all excited. So he called 10 of his slaves. So the, the talents is amounts of money. It's got nothing to do with abilities, but five, two, and one. But he said he gave five and two and one according to their ability. So there's that sense where it's an amount given. Everybody doesn't get the same. Not everyone has the same amount of responsibility and, and what you do with it. And there's a point where, yeah, some people, they just, just they seem to have so much going for them. And God says, yeah, and now there's a lot expected of them. They've got $5 million worth of talent and giftings and abilities. Well, they've got to use that. But the... This is what got me with the 10 meaners. This is, so I, I knew that message. I also realized through these two um, stories, especially the one in Matthew, I found growing up as a teenager, I knew that there was a scripture in Revelation talking about when we all get to heaven, because, you know, Revelation's about heaven and things happening in heaven. I knew it was in there because I'd heard it so often. When we get into heaven, God's going to look me in the eye and what's he going to say to me? It starts with, well done. <laughs> well done. Good and faithful servant. And that's like, when we get to heaven, that's what I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then as I got older and you know, studied the Bible, I read through Revelation and read through it again, and I couldn't find the well done, good and faithful servant in heaven. And I'm like, I'm sure it's in there because I've heard it so often. And then I discovered it's not in Revelation. It's not talking about when we get to heaven as such. It's from these parables. It's when the five, two, and one talent and it says that you do, you do the right sort of thing with the five talents. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Ah, so that phrase is in the context of this. If you want to get to heaven and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, you need to pay attention to what there's in these parables. Because it wasn't in relation to, well done, you made it. Well done, you got here. <laughs> well done, you finally got here. It was what you did on earth when I wasn't here, says Jesus. And so it's, oh, this is pretty significant. And the other thing that grabbed my heart, so the first thing, 10 minas. They all got one mina. This is not about um, us having different levels of ability or whatever. This is, everyone's the same. You know, because, so the other one made me sort of stop and think about what, what has God given me in my giftings, in my position, in my areas of responsibility, this made me think, what's he given to us all? This is like everybody gets the same. This is not, oh, you're the pastor, you've got extra special. No, me, you, everybody, we're all the same here. We're all on the same playing field. We all start at the same point. There's no leg up and extra. We're all starting at exactly the same point. And I was, it's, it's something got hold of my heart. 
what am I doing with the bit that God's given me? I mean, what, what am I doing? And then the, the next thing that really shook me and got hold of me was verse 11, where Jesus actually told them why he was sharing this parable. It's always good when Jesus gives us some insight because often we guess and there's some parables where he hasn't told us why and you can go into commentaries and they're still arguing. Why did he say this? What was he meaning? Well, at least in chapter 19, verse 11, he tells them why he gave this parable. While they, it's verse 11, while they were listening to these things, in other words, he was talking um, about the Son of Man coming, he was going on the way, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He said he went on to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and they, the people around him, supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he's telling them a parable because everybody is so expectant and so waiting. The Messiah's come, the kingdom's coming, it's about to happen. And he tells them a parable, he says, this is what, how I want you to be when you're expecting God to come. And what it really was saying, because you, you sort of, you're familiar with enough with the parable, I'm guessing, to know that they each got a gift and one person hid it, whereas everyone else used it. And he was pretty annoyed with the person who hid the, the gift. We'll read it in a second. And so he was telling them the parable to say the worst thing you can do when you're getting closer, when you're getting closer, the worst thing you can do is slow down and stop and say, okay, we're just going to coast into this last phase. When we're getting closer to the kingdom coming, when we're getting closer to Jesus returning, when I'm getting closer, the worst thing I can do is take my gifts and store them safely, ready for the you know, journey. You're about to land. You hear that instruction coming over. Take everything you've got and lock it away. Get your laptop, close it, put it in the pocket, put it in the thing, shut it down. We're about to land, so everybody stops what we're doing and you buckle in and you prepare. The last thing that God wants you to do is, in preparation, close the work down and sit ready. And um, so I began, it began to not just, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I do not want God to find me in a waiting mode that is a, a mode of inactivity and just waiting. Waiting, Lord, we've done everything. You know, we have, I, yeah, what, what? And so, and so I began, it just began to really challenge me. What does this look like? So I wanted to, I wanted answers. I've been praying and thinking. I've asked people, I've bounced this off. So let's just read it quickly. A certain nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself, then returned. Verse 12, verse 13 says, He called 10 of his slaves. And he gave them 10 minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him. And this is sort of a little side story that's not in the book of Matthew, but it's here. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Oh, what's their problem? So it came back, 
came about that when he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him in order that he might know what business they had done. What business have you done? With what? With the money he's given us. And they first appeared saying, well, master, you're meaner. You're meaner, not my meaner, your meaner, not my talent, not my gift, but your gift, your money, whatever you gave me, your gift to me has produced, because I've done business with it, 10 meaners more. And he said, well done, good slave. Matthew says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good slave. Because you have been faithful in a very little thing. Be in authority over 10 cities. If you get your head around this right, this will reflect in eternity what you're able to do. I believe that. I believe this is setting us up for what will happen in God's kingdom beyond this life, this earth, this time. And um, verse 17, um, verse 18, and the second one came saying, your meaner master has made five meaners. And he said, oh, you're, you are to be over five cities. And another came and said, master, Behold your mina, which I kept put away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you're an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down. You reap what you did not sow. So the master said to him, well, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Ow. Ow. Did you not know, did you know, did you know that I'm an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put the money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. And he said to the bystanders, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said, oh, no, that's not how it works. We're in a communist state called Victoria, and we just distribute things <laughs> evenly to everybody. Maybe we can edit that part out. I don't know. And they said to him, master, he has 10 minas already. Oh, I said, I tell you that everyone who has more has shall more be given, but from the one who does not have even what he does have shall be taken away. You know, a lot of people, that, they don't know that Jesus. You know, this is... Whoa. So, um, so it's a bit, a bit of a challenging, whoa, confronting story because I'm one and we've all been given meaners. All right, you're all part of this story. You say, well, I haven't been given much. You've been given as much as I have. You've been given as much as Dr. Jerry Seville has. You've been given as much as anybody. You say, oh, I've only been a believer for one week. I've been a believer for 50 years. It does not matter. This is talking about you have been given. What are you doing with it? And it's, oh, it's been stirring me. What am I doing? So I wanted to know. I say, well, what is the meaner? You know what I mean? What is Amina? What, what, and I've asked people, and I've been praying and thinking about it, and I've had people make good suggestions. You know, I said, well, let's put this, it's what everybody has. So, you know, like, I've got a gift of teaching, so it can't be my gifting in that sense, because not everyone has the same gifting. You know, not everyone has the same um, abilities and anointings that they're called to. What, but what have we all been given? And I, and I came up with a list, you know, um, we've all been given the Holy Spirit. The same spirit, same spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. We've all been given the same spirit. We've all been given the same word. 
You know, it doesn't come with the Bible to Peter, which is four pages long, and you get the Bible to Judith, which is 37 chapters, you know. <laughs> we just get the same Bible. You know, some people think, why does she get so many? Oh, it's because there's a whole lot of things to fix up in there, that 37. <laughs> nah. You know, we all get the same Bible. Uh, we all get the same ability to believe. Faith. Faith is not, you know, some people say, oh, you get great faith. No, I don't believe we get great faith. I believe we all get the same capacity to believe. And then it's what we do with that develops that capacity. Same as we all get muscles. But some of us are weaker than others. And you say, oh, that's because I was born. <laughs> muscles respond to activity. Okay? And, and I believe our faith responds to being used and grows. That's how it works. So we're all... I, so I'm like, oh, I think I'm getting my head around this, God. You know, you know how sometimes I think God sort of like, he sits back and just waits and says, just the angel says, should we tell him now? No, just let him go. He'll, he'll come around eventually. Um, so, and I'm like trying to, and how does it work though? If the Holy, because how many agree the Holy Spirit sound like a good one? But if you work the Holy Spirit, you get 10 Holy Spirits more. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, that doesn't really fit in either. It doesn't work. How do, how, do we get, how do we get this and we get 10 more of this? How do I work 10 more spirits? And so anything I tried to work didn't try to fit in. And um, so I'm praying. I'm saying, God, how does it? And he's like, you do realize how parables work. You preach on it. Um, it's, he's not intending for you to say, I mean it is this. And he wants you to catch the heart and the punch of it. All right? Don't worry too much about exactly what a meaner is because that's not really the issue. The issue is what are you doing with what God's given you? Just what is it you're doing with whatever God's given you? Are you doing business with it, which is what it says? Are you doing business? We're doing kingdom business. We're doing business with it. It actually says in verse 3, do business with this. Verse 15, he called them that he order might know what business they had done. Business. Business means you take the finances you have and you have to invest it into something. It has to go outside of what you're doing to someone else to, to buy, sell, trade, move, buy someone's resource to make more money. and You've got to do something with it. You've got to actually take it from yourself and it's got to go out from yourself. You cannot just have it internally. It's got to go out. And he said the worst thing you can do, he said, um, see, if, and this is when, and the more I was looking at it, I said, God, I, I could fix this parable up a bit. You've missed a few things. It doesn't really make sense. You know, I know I'm getting into difficulty when I'm like, this parable's just not right. I need to fix it. Because to me... There's only two groups of people, those that do business and get a, a, a return. And the one who gets, he says, I'm so scared that you're so tough, he hides it away, puts it in a handkerchief, puts it in a safe place, buries it, whatever. But I said, well, that doesn't actually address the biggest fear I have. My fear is you come and you say, what have you done? I said, I did business, did business with it and I lost it. 
in my business dealings. How many know business dealings are not guaranteed to be <laughs> fruitful or, or rewarding? Otherwise, we'd all do business. There's a, there's, a, there's a risk. Otherwise, we'd all be in the stock market. It comes with risks. And, you know, um, you know I've heard it said, if you're not willing to lose money in the stock market, you're not willing, you shouldn't be on the stock market because it's not, you just cannot invest. If you can't afford to lose it, you can't afford to invest it because that's how this, that works. And I'm saying, what about, the, what about the slave who said, I did business, but my business went bad, and I, I'm sorry, I've blown your mina. Because if anything, that's the slave I'm concerned of. I don't want to be. I don't want to be the one that blows your business. To me, there should be a parable about how to, how to, how to invest wisely how to know where to invest, how to know how to do business. That's what I want to know. I want to know how to do it wisely so it doesn't blow the, blow the investment. How do I do this properly, God? You only give me two. The guy who just does it and turns it into ten. And we all know how we feel about that guy. <laughs> Mister, how's your meter going? I got ten. Good for you. I want to meet him outside in a dark alley. The trouble is, he'd probably beat us up, you know, because he's the 10 meaner man. <laughs> um, but I'm not, I, I don't want to hide it. I'm not scared of God. I don't think he's a harsh taskmaster, so I don't fit in either. I don't, where do I fit? That's why I said, Lord, I, I'm not sure I fit in this parable. <laughs> Where's the, the nervous slave who didn't want to make a mess of the investment. And so here's some three tips to wise investment. How to invest the things of God wisely. How to use it in a way that will produce harvest. I want that little bit on the parable. All we get is everyone who did business with it at least come back. Sometimes ten, sometimes five. In the five, two and one talents was he put in five talents of business he worked five talents and five talents came back. He made $5 million from his five minutes investment. That's quite a $2 million, $2 million back. With a $1 million, he said, you're a hard taskmaster. He went and hit it. And I said, you know, how does it all work? He said, first of all, take note. Think, read, listen. Listen to how he responds to the servant who doesn't invest. He says... He says, you're hard, that's why I hid it. And the master says, if you really thought I was hard, you would have invested it. You hear that? You say I'm hard, but you don't really think it. You are using that as an excuse for why you hid it. Because if you really believed it, you would actually behave differently. The worst thing you can do is make an excuse for why you're not investing. Because we all have excuses that sound good in our head, but eventually if we stand before God, he will like, doesn't cut it. So my excuse doesn't have to be, you're tough and I hit it. My excuse could be, I was scared of losing it. 
My excuse would be I would have done more, but I was so busy with my life, the things that I, you don't know the pressures I had. You don't know the, 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 the challenges I had. You don't know how wounded and, and damaged I was. You don't know. You don't know this. So whatever excuse you have, he's like, don't use excuses. The worst thing, the worst thing you can do is have an excuse for why you're not investing. And my excuse is I don't want to be getting this wrong. I don't want to be getting this wrong. He said that's the worst excuse. He says, I do not have a servant that invests the kingdom that doesn't get return. There is no servant that loses their investment if they do it right. You hear that? There is no, that's why it's not in the parable. I'm like, where's the third servant? Where's the one that invests and loses it? He says, if you invest the kingdom, it won't come back empty. You cannot blow this investment. If you are investing in the kingdom, it will return. The key is in are you willing to do business with it and let the, the mina do its work. Does it make sense? It's interesting. The servant said, your mina made 10 minas. Not my mina, his mina. If I get his kingdom work out, his kingdom work will do the work. It's not up to me to make it multiply, but no seed will sprout in the sack hidden under the bed. <laughs> It's got to get in the soil. Then it's the seed's business to multiply. I don't have to make a seed multiply. I just have to put the seed in the right spot and water it. I have to do business with it. I have to take what God has given me and get it out. This is not about, oh, how can I, how can I make sure I get the maximum harvest? How can I? It's just, just do what you can do with what God has given you. When Peter... And John walking through, and, they, and, they, and um, this is after Jesus has been resurrected, book of Acts, they're walking through, and the lame man is standing there. Well, not standing there. The lame man is sitting there. <laughs> not standing there yet. I got ahead of the story. Lame man, he's, he, you know, and it's the classic dad joke. He's sitting there. He's going, arms, arms, I need arms. And it's stupid. He needs legs. All right? Calling for arms. Ka-ching, all right? Um. And he says, give me something. I need money. Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold, I don't have. He doesn't mean he's broke. It means I'm not coming. I don't have money to give to you. Silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, I give. I That's, he, started, he just did kingdom business. He just did business with what he had. Do you re- most amazing stories, multiple times that Jesus multiplied food, he never, ever created food out of nothing. He always multiplied food. He never created food. He, even if it was a boy's lunch, he started with something, and he said, begin to distribute what you have, and let's see what happens when we bless it and send it out. And it multiplies. But he never said, just go out and see what happens. He says, start with what you've got 
And let's see what happens. When they were fishing, they couldn't catch anything. He didn't say, don't worry, come on in. Here's a bunch of fish. What did he say? Put in your nets one more time. And they're like, we've fished all night. We've caught nothing. We are seasoned fishermen. We know how this works. But at your word, we must do business. We must put in the net. We must do something. Here, God cannot create out of nothing. He created the heavens and earth out of nothing. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying he has chosen to use us to invest in us and then for us to use what he's given. He said, oh, I don't know. He hasn't given me anything. He has. I know because we've all got the same. Just what is it? Take your faith and use it. Take what, what, whatever it is, whatever's small. That's why God's like, I'm like, God, what is? He says, I don't care what it is. Stop trying to narrow it down to one thing. Just get the principle. Whatever God's done for you, do something out of it. Whatever he's done for you, share out of it. If he's helped you, share it. Pray for someone else. Do something else. Do something out of what he's done for you. Take what he's done for you and just do something with it. And he says, I'm, because when he gets back, he'll say, whew, I've just been doing and doing and doing. And guess what? Your, your one has turned into 10. How'd that happen? Your one's turned into 10. Because he did business with it. Be busy doing business. Not just busy. Don't just be busy in your own strength. Not your own flesh. This is not, not that. But it's being busy doing kingdom work, taking what God has done and just doing something out of it. Sharing, minister. So I have been ah, just hungry. I just say, Lord, whatever I can, I will do. Just so, Lord, I'll put a hand. I'm, not, I'm being careful not just to get in the flesh. I'm being careful not just to run around and, and wear myself out. You know, there's a lot of people being burnt out because they haven't. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Do it in step with me. If you are burnt out, you have got on your own. <laughs> you're, running the, you're running the plow by yourself. All right, do it, do it the right way, and my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's actually easier to get in step with him and do more. We talk about this in Team Breakthrough. It's one of our values, and it's one of the things I notice. Jesus said, if you're heavy, if you're, if you're, if you're unburdened, if, if things like life is tough for you, come to me. And if, if someone comes to me and says, I am overworked and I'm overstressed, the first thing I would say is, well, just settle down, take some pressure off, you know, let's release your, your workload, three-day spa, you know, whatever. That's how we treat. Jesus said, you are stressed, you're overworked, you're hard. Come, put a yoke on. Let's go do some work. That's the wrong answer, Jesus. Not to pick up a yoke, it's to take a yoke off. He says, if you want to get out of stress, get working with me. Learning to live stress-free is learning to work, but with Jesus. So I'm not talking about just getting busy. I'm talking about getting in that step with Jesus and doing what he's called me to do, but being busy about it, finding every opportunity to use what I can. Does it have to be super successful? Well, that's, that's, 
that's really not my, I don't really care too much about that. I'm more concerned with that getting it out. And let's see what God does with it. Let's just see, let, let, let God work. Just do what God's called me to do. Oh, you know, how many people are going to listen? How many people are going to respond? How many, does that really, you know, how about we, I just give and let's see what God does. Let's start with, oh, when we have this mount, we'll do it. No, let's just start with what we have. Just do what you've got in your hands. What is in your hands? What have you already been given? What has God got? So now you're up to speed with me. And I've been sort of maybe a couple of weeks ahead of you, just being on purpose, thinking about and working on purpose, using anything opportunity I have to help, to sow, to give, to do a bit more, just to get whatever God's given me out there. My challenge to you is how can you get busy doing business? How can you be busy about the kingdom? Busy doing the kingdom's work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Caitlin, can I do anything?